Today on the Marshall Pro Podcast, we have your week in IndyCar guest episode brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets USA. We have one of your favorite guests, one of my favorite guests, was here about three months ago, just as the uh, Corolla virus was turning our lives upside down in racing. So I thought it'd be perfect to have our man, Mike Shank, co-owner of Meyer Shank Racing back about three months later as we're getting a roll here at the GMR Grand Prix at Indianapolis. Get some thoughts about how things are going in your world returning to racing, not just an IndyCar now, round two, Mike, but also you've got the very first IMSA round post-coronavirus shutdown and the first time Meyer Shank Racing will be competing on the same day in two different series I don't know, this week might be a bit of a stressful one for you, my brother. <laughs> I'm glad to be back, as always. Uh, you know what? It, it, we've had a lot of time to prepare for this, honestly. So I feel like our guys are like well ahead of the curve right now. We have a plan. We just went through our engineering meetings for the IMSA race today, actually. Um, we, we know what we're up against there in all forms and everyone's spirits pretty good. Everyone's really anxious to go back to work. I'll tell you, it's going to be like an oven at both tracks this weekend. So, uh, we'll, we'll get our stamina tested for sure. Drivers and crew. And, um, I'm excited about doing it. I'm going to be able to do a, a small group of us are going to do both. They're going to do the Indy Grand Prix and then immediately, uh, get on a plane and head to Daytona for the start of the Empster race. Uh, looking forward to it. Drivers are definitely ready. Um, no, no, no fans really to speak of this weekend, but uh, certainly socially we'll be getting getting the word out there and uh, trying to stay connected with everybody. Let's get rolling with the fine questions sent in by our listeners, and it's pretty clear through most of the questions they know you, they love you. We're going <laughs> to kick off here with our man Ryan Terpstra. Says Mike, no real question. I just hope you make it out the other side with everything you've worked. So hard for intact says I'm certain I'm not the only listener who is a Mike Shank fan because of your candid and honest responses as a guest on the show here. Let's maybe park here for a sec, Mike, and talk about this business, right? You are fortunate to have Jim Meyer as a partner yep. in the team. Uh, your wife is a big component of the team. You've got a, a really strong base. Brian Bailey is in there. You know, there's you've got a strong group around you doesn't mean money just falls from the sky tell us about what the last couple months have been like with an imsa program to look after financially indycar program uh are you uh buying discount beer now uh what are you doing to get by well we you know as you can imagine when we all left the st petersburg on i think that was what friday morning i think marshall yeah um you know we were we didn't know what the hell to do. Honestly, it was a new world. None of us, including Jim Meyer, who is a seasoned veteran of running very large companies. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, you know, where I'm going to put some credit here is on Jim Meyer at this point. Uh, I consider myself kind of an operations person. Um, little did I know how much I was going to gain on a person that can really help me with strategic movements of the, the business side with Jim. And um, he came up with a plan really quickly about how we're going to, treat the people that do business with us in partnership, different agreements we have and how 
And what are we going to do to show them that we understand that their business model is going to hurt and it's going to hurt for a while. So we chose, we chose up front to not lay anyone off, but to take pay cuts for everybody, including myself and my wife and go back to them with a package to say, Hey, this is what we're going to credit you guys. And we want you for 21. That's our most important thing in the, in the future going forward. And, and this is what we're going to do. So you can take this back to people above you or that you report to, to show that Meyer Shank contributed to the, the issue that we're all facing. And I give Jim a lot of credit. Now there are teams out there that are waiting. They're holding sponsors to agreements and waiting to reconcile at the end of the year. And that is a strategy, but I like what Jim did for us and, and the idea he had there. And, um, from a business strategic point, I think it'll serve us uh, five years from now. Um, and and uh, I'm very appreciative of that. And I don't know that I would, it would have taken me a while to figure that out, but we had that deal done within a week. Having landed from St. Pete, we had a solid financial footing that we knew we weren't going to go broke, Marshall. Wow. How about from an adjustment standpoint? I know whether it's things that are cl- well close to home here, and this is one that might sadden you before the coronavirus hit, I would try and enjoy recording this show or my listener Q and a shows with a beer. And right. I like a very specific type of beer, uh, dark, can't see through it. Thick tends to be European of some sort means they're not yeah. cheap. And so, you know, five bucks, six bucks, a bottle type deal. And, you know, it'll knock you on your behind. So instead of having to drink a case, one of these will do you properly. That's something that I know it's a a minor or meaningless thing, but those are the kinds of adjustments at home to get through these times where it's like, well, I would love to have a beer, but that's money. I can't justify spending. Is there a, you know, a streaming service that I enjoy, but use infrequently? Well, that's, 9.95 9.95 a month I can get rid of uh to get through what have been some examples that you can share Mike that maybe you guys have had to do uh while as you said whether it's pay reductions and whatnot I'm sure even on the ownership and team side you've had to appraise what can stay and what might need to go Greg this is this is some good stuff actually Marshall to talk about um I'll tell you one thing and this is you know serious thing we had made plans to build a building, a new building for MSR going forward into the future. And we're well, well on our way uh, to doing that. And we pull everything on hold. That next week after St. Petersburg, I shut the door down immediately on that. This is something I can't even begin to think about until I know all my people that work for us are taken care of. That's one thing. The other thing, absolutely zero spending. Where To where my purchasing guys know that they have, you know, they can buy stuff up to maybe 500 or or $1,000 without approaching me. Every single purchase comes across my desk. I need to know where every dollar is going until we know we're going to make it through this thing. So it's really just this giant taking the belt loop and just reeling it on your waist. Right. And, uh, there are, you know, I I can't tell you for two or three months there, it's the cheapest Amex bill we've ever had in our lives ever. Right. And that was a sign to me that we were doing the right things and being fiscally conservative you know, just in order to, you know, try to make it through this thing until we had some more knowledge. Now, as time went, we could see how things were going. We still didn't loose it off that belt. And, and now that we're actually operating again, yeah, we've come on it off a little bit because we have to operate. 
But we really look at the finite things, Marshall, like mileages on parts on both sides of the aisle, sports car, any car. You know, how far can we truly take these pieces and not fail, right? I might have been a little more lax about it before. Uh, you gotta, you got to make sure that we're getting maximum mileage. That's a big, big deal, our lifing system. And, um, and things like that I've really gotten uh, picky on. Um, detail things, some some things that make our stuff look better, but don't necessarily make our stuff run better. Um, you know, I hold off on. Um, you know, I think they're just smart things. I guess the the final thing that jumps out on this topic, Mike, before we go to the next question, have you determined yet if some of the things that you've mentioned, these highly restricted approaches to a variety of things while in very tight financial times, whether some of these items you believe will carry over, even if cash is flush, everything's good, boy, we're building everything and going nuts, new buildings and all kinds of fun. You still see Mm -hmm. any areas where you go, you know, maybe that's just something we need to hold on to mindset wise or or process wise uh, that we've learned as a result of going through this pandemic. No, it's exactly that. And we're talking about mundane things like when my guys in the truck department need to go over to Lowe's and buy something for, you know, we have five rigs now, right? So they need to buy widgets that up to $69, let's say. And then the next day they go over and it adds up to $98. And, you know, that kind of stuff, it really came to the forefront how much we're spending on some of this stuff. How much do we actually need? Safety is number one. Beyond that, you know, what are we really doing here? So I think... I think it does a little reset, actually. Um, if you look at my budgeting and how I cash flow things out, I've, I've kind of scribed another line across the calendar here, and we're kind of like, okay, here's where we're starting again. And now we got to go to November because the end, you know, the IMSA season goes to November now. Um, I think, you know, I think for sure, you know, we're not a business that you can work from home from. You got to show up at our shop, so that's different than a lot of folks are, are going through right now. But uh, certainly, um, everybody understanding that we're lucky to be keep our jobs, and I'm I'm grateful. My guys, I kept very informed. Uh, they were very happy to keep their jobs, and I have to deal with the whole unemployment debacle here in the U.S. and uh, And I feel a, a gratefulness for for everything, you know. Um, and that part is great. So listen, we'll we we will hopefully keep some of this conservative kind of conservative stuff and. Um, Maybe learn something from it, if nothing else. I love it. All right. Let's get to Anthony Gauche says, Mike, how has the 2020 season's compressed schedule affected your team's personnel allocation? Inquiring, do you think you're going to have more or less resource overlap with not just this weekend of a clash between IMSA and IndyCar MSR teams, but the fact that, boy, Seems like you're going to be putting a lot of miles on those transporters crisscrossing the place um, in the coming months. Yeah, so our our plan is still intact. It's just massively compressed into the third and fourth quarter, right? So on the car side of things, you know, we build up as many parts and body work as we can on both sides of the aisle, sports car and IndyCar. We're, We're more prepared further out than we've ever been. Uh, dare I say, more close like a NASCAR team would run, right, even though we don't have that many personnel. Uh, we have separate groups now, and for the most part, that has stayed 100% intact so that we can do these uh, two-pronged attacks. So we're going to have that this weekend. 
we're going to have that at VIR, uh, Indy 500 conflict. And, um, we have one lime rock to the Portland race as it sits right now. So we have three conflicts that we'll divide and conquer on. I've got essentially five managers that work underneath me and, uh, and we split the, we split the uh, diligence up between us all. Um, and, and I think have a pretty good flow to that. Just tighter. Just everything's tighter. Have you fired Matt Swan yet, by the way? I mean, it's a no, he hasn't. No, he's shit, man. He's just coming on now. He's just getting good now. <laughs> uh, my boy, Matt, I tell you, I love that guy to death. And I mean, when he was talking about here for a while about considering, you know, heading out and maybe hopefully maybe working for him, like you guys are going to love each other. You're going to hate each other because anybody who knows Swan hates him half the time. That's just his personality. We can't fix it, but, uh, yeah, I'm so happy that uh, he's working out there and yeah, you absolutely. guys are doing good stuff. Uh, let's see. You talked about spares a little bit. Uh, we're going to come back to that. Our pal Lance Snyder says, Mike, last time you're on the show, you lamented the fact that you're carrying more spares than ever due to what was originally a very rough and busy three week schedule. Indy Detroit and Texas yeah. says that's obviously all been shuffled, but with IndyCar poised to do a lot of things in a very short time frame schedule wise. Do you feel better about that decision to go heavy on spares prep? Uh, because it seems like you might need them. I'm, I'm, I'm happy in two ways financially and because all that buying is done already. And secondly, we're able to be ready. I'll give you an example. we got three in a row coming up here. So we got the road course car for Indy GP. That car will get turned quickly to run road America. Then we go to Iowa. Now the whole, all the suspension for the Iowa race, all the oval suspension and, and rear end, are completely built up already. Um, so that makes the conversion, you know, basically just the, the you know, uh, the back half and, and swap out suspension arms. So we'll be able to prep our car between Road America and Iowa in essentially two work days at the shop and be back to unload at Iowa on Thursday, like the 16th. So I'm grateful that we have that kind of ability at this point gonna go to a, another subject with a you know pretty lousy person i don't know if he's bad as swan but uh jj gertler uh says mr shank one of your sports car drivers it's pretty hot in nascar these days is mr almondinger expressed any interest to you are you to him getting back into indycar at all he says and might that be possible with your current team setup and capabilities so certainly the uh, dinger in a shank IndyCar, not the first time that's been asked, but you know, the little fart has been reminding us he's not so bad in a, a variety of vehicles yet again. So uh, why not open wheel? <laughs> Listen, I can't tell you how many times I've asked him to do it. He just won't do it. So, you know, he's got a great situation. He's got, um, he can play golf. He can go race some cars and win races <laughs> and be competitive I, I just don't think uh, there's a lot of desire for it anymore, to be honest with you. And that's, you know, that's okay. That's that, that's okay as much as we want. We try about every year. And my my partner, Jim Meyer, has uh, really grown to appreciate what he's capable of, too. And he's always giving him shit about not driving our Indy cars so, at some point, you know. So, um, you know, that doesn't look like it's in the cards. But I, I can tell you that it brings a little uh, joy to my heart that he uh, is having such a good run. And I don't think it's over yet, Marshall, either, by the way. Um, you know, he's got, he's, he should be very strong this weekend on the Grand Prix. So he, by the way, he drove a DP for me on this track back in 2013. So he, he even knows the track. Um, so, and that's something 
little trivia buff there that he came and did one off race at, at, uh, at that, at the break or whenever we did it with him or uh, grand am at the time. Um, but, uh, listen, I tried and he's just not there yet. Well, I just clearly need to threaten him more often. Uh, let's go to Roger Dingness who says, Hey, Mike was wondering if, and when we might see that Jack Harvey kid doing, I don't know, a 24 hour race or something with you in IMSA. He also says, Oh, go lions. Okay. Uh, absolutely. It's possible. I, you know, he, he did his first test this year with us at Daytona in the NSX GTD car and did great. And, uh, it's very, very possible. We just got to see what our, you know, we're working on all of our IMSA deals right now going forward for the future. And, um, we'll get those done first and then, you know, just focus on, you know, our focus with Jack is we just getting results in this Indy car. We're finally getting our opportunity. Let's focus on that. And then, uh, the IMSA stuff will take care of itself with Jack in the car. Stay here for just a sec on that topic, talking about deals, Mike. Now, obviously, I'm not going to ask you to reveal things you shouldn't, but you have had a very ambitious plan to grow the team, IndyCar, IMSA. Um, you've had a really solid view of what you wanted to do year by year uh, with whom and stepping up from this level to that level, as we've seen you now going full-time in IndyCar for the first time. How has this pandemic affected your ability to at least get next year in line or plans in line knowing that frankly it's not just you wanting to do things it maybe could be a manufacturer that you wanted to do it with making some changes or pushing back or whatever as a result of uh, how the pandemic has affected them what's it been like and you've been able to move forward knowing that maybe it's not 100 percent just in your decision yeah really tough Good question and very, very tough. And it's just because of the unknowns in our world. Are we going to shut down again? Uh, they're going to have to shut the plants down. The OEM is going to have to shut the plants down again. Um, it's tough. Um, fortunately, very fortunately, we have a very good relationship and uh, with our manufacturer. And um, we'll see where that leads. Uh, nothing's done by any means. And um, we're all trying to stay in the sport somehow. So, uh, I can tell you this is the thick of that season, of the selling season, I guess you call it, uh, of trying to get people to make decisions. And that just that process, that decision process, is a lot trickier now. And, um, you know, we just try to give people what they want. If they ask for something, we get back to them. Projects, whatever we need to do, we stay relevant. Well, obviously, we still try to win and do well in the cars that we have now and, and uh, finish the year strong. So... Yeah, I, really, the answer is it's 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 gotten times three, three X, uh, to get anything done. But I don't think it's impossible. Let's go to a couple of fun ones here. Brett Ross asks Mike, "Have you had a chance yet to try any of Jack Harvey's baked goods?" All the time. <laughs> yeah, he's really good. It's not a, you know I, I don't know if people think he's kidding or not, but he's hardcore and um, and he's good at it. Hardcore so, Harvey baked goods yeah. coming to you. That's it. .com. So, uh, he is, uh, he is, uh, really good at it and he enjoys it. So, you know, listen, whatever he wants to do, if that makes him happy, I just be fast on Friday, man. I love it. Got to put the heat on him. Uh, let's see, let's go to Gary farmer. Mike, I'm curious. What are some of your favorite stations to listen to on Sirius XM? Mm, mm. Hair nation. Number one. Ooh, that's in our Aaron preset. Nation. That's one of our presets in our uh, in our uh, CX nine. So good on I, you there. I, 
I, I like the 90s, 90s music. I like uh, the highway. So I can listen to a lot, right? And um, and I appreciate old school rap all at the same time. So, But primarily, I would say the go-to is, you know, I, I switch between the highway a lot and uh, and, uh, Her- and Hair Nation. Wow. Yeah, I think we've got, what do we have? Both Howard Stern channels, my wife isn't a fan, so that doesn't, that only gets listened to when she's like at physical therapy and I'm, sitting in the car waiting uh what else i'm just pulling this up here in front of me what do we have selected as favorites um uh, we definitely have hair nation uh we have i think uh what the uh lithium uh kind of alternative there there. first wave which is kind of uh a new wave uh what else do we have we have got the groove channel 50 uh, mm-hmm. got it's called LL Cool J's Rock the Bells, but that just still doesn't sit well with me. Uh, with them changing that over there. Uh, what else? Soul Town Channel Forty Nine. That mm. one. My wife has Symphony Hall saved. She's the refined one. Yeah, I'd say she has the Spa Channel. Right. Uh, okay. I don't know how that yeah, keeps you awake while you're driving. Music, soothing music. Yep. We've got uh, Kirk Franklin's Praise Channel, so we've got gospel there. Ozzy's Boneyard. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing you've got that one saved as well. You're all over, man. You guys got a, you got a bigger range than I got. Well, I've been a subscriber since I think 2004 or five, something like that. So, anyways, that's, that's very cool. Very cool. All right, uh, let's get to Keith Lee. I love this question because I don't know the answer. It says, Mike, if I purchase a Jack Harvey 118th scale model, do you and the team actually get any money out of it? <laughs> How's licensing no. like that stuff work? Yeah, that's, that's tricky. I've been involved in both deals. I've had some that we, we, we get something in return for it and some we don't. In this case, we don't as of right now. Um, and it's just, it, it just depends on who you are and what you are. You know, Dale Jr. is different than us, right? Or Danica or, you know, any of the big, big, you know, names. Uh, we, we don't see really, you know, clothing and merchandise for us is not a pro we don't look at it as a profit center. We just want to give people that do follow us, uh, opportunities to get some stuff, but, um, um, it's not a big thing that, uh, that moves the needle for us financially, unfortunately. Wow. Got a couple questions here about the ill-fated 2012 IndyCar attempt. That comes yeah. up almost every episode, so I'm not sure if you want me to throw this one back at you or just tell folks, listen to literally any one of Mike's five or ten appearances on the show because yeah. uh, we talk about it frequently. Or maybe how's Dave Heisen asked about this, said he'd love the color scheme too. Yeah. Um, any... Any thoughts, Mike, on how this has really become a bit of the team's legacy? The fact that seven, eight years later, it still is thought of and brought up uh, about this, again, kind of raw deal that you got. Well, yeah, I mean, so if anything came out of that time, I think people appreciated the effort, right? Like we really tried and we didn't do it BS. We did it with money, like the money that we did have, Brian Bailey, me and my wife put up right and that's legit and and we lost money when we had to get out of it but i think we made good decisions as we went you know we definitely had opportunities to run i think it was alberto is that right the lotus um, um who who drove the john lacy john lacy sorry yep yeah. um john lacy we had an opportunity to run that deal 
didn't want to do it, just didn't want to be associated with it. And, and, and I think we got a lot of respect for just not doing it because we wanted to do it. Um, looking back on it now, now having lived through actually getting a startup going and, you know, we were definitely way short of money in 2012. We probably could have made it happen, but it would have been real, real ugly. And, um, but uh, I think the appreciation that people saw was that we committed. We said we did what we said we were going to do up to the point where I just couldn't, absolutely couldn't. And it wasn't bullshit. It was a real effort. And I think people appreciated that. And then when we got out, you know, they, you know, they felt like, and, and there was, yeah, there was some blame to throw around, but you know, it, I, the way I look at it, it really, really, truly has worked out like it's supposed to. And uh, we went on to, to even greater things in sports car and, and then it brought us full circle when, um, to be honest, when Steph Wilson called me and said, hey, can you do something with me at Andretti's in 2017? And so on and so forth. So absolutely no no uh, better feelings at all. And Brian Bailey is still a major part of our team here today. You could have been Fan Force United in 2012. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, my that's, gosh. That's what I, did. that's, that's what I didn't want. <laughs> Uh, so at some point in time, uh, I am, I've already spoken with Oriel Servia with Bourdais. Uh, I think I'm going to reach out to Catherine leg to probably Dennis Reinbold. I'll see if Jay Penske will talk. I have to do a dedicated podcast series on Lotus and IndyCar because oh, be it was, and yeah. I got to get some, and we won't do it here. We'll save it. Cause I, you know, want to get more about how the interactions went with Lotus, but it was such a dumpster fire uh that it just warrants storytelling because back in the day Bourdais was keeping me plugged into the pipeline as it was happening privately right didn't use any of it but man some of the things that he was sharing is like they have one engine and i'm like what do you mean they have one motor one motor (laughs) for what they've got one motor for us to use period and they're having to they're currently working in the back of like a u-haul type penske type rental truck right not some clean room you know in some perfect transporter where everything is you know quadruple hepa filter no particle stuff no they're truly breaking down some blown motors in the back of like a rented u-haul trying to cobble together a single functioning motor for us to be able to get on track. I'm like, sure. Oh man, could you get a waiver from IndyCar to just like plug in like just an old Chevy V8 out of like a Caprice or something to use? Cause I think <laughs> you might have a better time. So yeah, anyway. absolutely. Oh boy. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to some more here. Not a ton more left. So, uh, we're not going to take too much more of your time. Uh, why don't we go to Brian Burrell talking about the B2B side of, of how things are being done. Curious about how your sponsors and those specific B2B relationships have progressed or changed over uh, and throughout this COVID pandemic. He also mentions why the heck isn't Bush Light, the Nectar of the Gods, a sponsor of yours. Um, it's one yeah, thing. I would love to know that. It's one thing, Mike, obviously, to have paying sponsor for marketing value we want our logo to be seen we want to activate in front of people or on tv there's this other dynamic though which frankly powers more than half of the indycar fields finances and that's the b2b 
that's the mingling, talking, business relationship, creating. How, um, how do you do that when you are not able to get to the track or maybe even mingle? Yeah, that's, it, it all has to happen off, you know, behind the scenes, essentially. So that one element is bringing everyone together at the track. And that happens all the time in these hospitality units you guys will see at the trucks, you know. And that is a huge element to what we sell, the ability to bring people to the track. You know, everyone's guards come down a little bit. We can talk some business, people that want to do business with other people, sit them down, have some drinks, have some food. That's a big part of it. So if that doesn't happen, then all you can do is try to work the background to put parties together, arrange Zoom calls, uh, talk about similarities, you know, but it all has to be in that virtual world practically. And uh, that does make it trick- trickier. It doesn't change it, but uh, except to make, you know, to say that we don't, we don't have the opportunities to really shine as a marketing tool for a company when, we, when we're handicapped by hospitality. Now, having said that, we have hospitality at Road America coming up. We have hospitality at Iowa coming up. It's in a limited basis, meaning these people can come and talk, which is great. But it's still halfway there because they're not allowed to come to the, the trailer, the paddock, or the pit lane. And we do a lot there. You know, we do a lot of touring and and uh, bring groups through the team so that they get that backfield experience and everything. Um, so it does make it tricky for sure. Not impossible, just tricky. So you just buying bullhorns for everyone to talk to each other from across the room. I got it. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Why don't we go to Brian Cohn? Very important question. Mike, if Bush Light was no longer available, what would your choice of beer happen to be? Do you have a, a go-to backup plan? Yeah, yeah, I got two. I got two. I got a B and C plan, okay? And it all depends on what's available on draft, okay? Because that's my thing. That's my jam, okay? So yeah, if the first one would be Coors Light, and the second would be McUltra. Wow. Yeah, there you go. I you can see I'm a barely there drinker, right? Like you, I'm not going to drink what you. Yeah, <laughs> so, so that's, the, that's the common theme here, right? I won't drink a beer if I can see through it. You won't drink right. a beer if you can't see through it. So, yeah. um, I'm going to have to bring you at least one of mine uh, when I can afford it. And yeah, I don't know. You might either uh, throw up or just pour it into the fuel tank and Jack's uh good old Meyershank racing IndyCar because there might be yeah, enough right. alcoholic content there uh you know we've got a couple listeners who've asked a question here and we're having to take social distancing and safety into mind but there are genuinely a couple of folks who want to bring you beer at Indianapolis Nathan okay. uh Cook and Mike DiCardo as well Mike saying uh he look I can stop by your house Tiki bar at Elkhart Lake, whatever, uh, bring you several 30 packs of bush light for you and the team. Um, Nathan as well says he plans on attending all days of practice. And if I were to bring a good luck gift to bush light, what's the best way to get it to you uh, since they don't allow it in the garage. I, I'm almost, I don't know. I'm thinking of like the, the canned food drive ahead of Thanksgiving at the grocery store, right? Where you get like the 55 gallon drum that folks dropped stuff into. Do we, and I'm kind of serious. Do we need to do something like that next to your motor coach or something outside the garage? How do we get beer to Mike Shank? Cause people want to make sure you're in a good place. You'd be surprised. It really, it gets snuck to me often. 
and uh, and, and I say snuck, but uh, you know, people throw it over the fence. So I'll sit down on the way back to going back to the trailer. You know, uh, I don't know. I got to think about that a little bit. Uh, let's see. Why don't we grab a couple more and then say farewell? Uh, Chuck Knob says, Mike, given the current economic times, if we get thirty-four entries, maybe thirty-five entries for the Indy Five Hundred. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts about IndyCar and MS maybe making a one-time accommodation to let more than the field of 33 run? You think there's any merit to that since this is a strange year and everybody in theory needs all the marketing value they can yeah. get? Uh, well, I, I suppose there is an argument there, but what I've learned from Roger Penske is where he really appreciates a lot of things uh, that the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is and has been to him and to all of us, right? And I don't know if he would bust that tradition. I really, I just don't know. Um, I, don't, I don't even know if I want to say if I think it's right or wrong. Um, I guess I've always thought of it as 33, and my brain and my insides are just fixated on not being 34th, right? So um, I think that drive drives all of us to be better, and, and I would hate to maybe exhale a little bit, right? No, no, I'm going to make it. Don't worry about it, right? Um, that's part of what drove me to do this was to show that we're we're good enough to make this right, and um, I would hate to lose that part of it. But I, it's not that I don't understand that logic though, because it's horrible times, and everybody deserves a little sunshine this year. So I don't know. I would say you know Penske, from what I can see, is a pretty pretty hardcore traditionalist in a lot of ways that I've heard in you know behind closed doors. So it would surprise me, but not upset me i would add to this uh chuck and saying it's either a competition or it is not and yeah. if the standard has been the 33 best get to play then that's what we need to honor i realize of course there have been some exceptions over the year yeah. was there the last time in 1997 when that exception was made it felt stupid and like participation trophies were being given. It was garbage, especially being one of the few teams in that 1997 25 and 8 rule where 25 IRL full-timers were guaranteed, eight spots remained available for non-guaranteed. We were a brand-new team, the Genoa Racing Thomas Knapp program. We had to earn our way in to get one of those eight spots to know that we almost all had nervous breakdowns trying to get in and finally did on our third and final run uh, with the one chassis we had back then, the limited runs based on chassis. You got three runs total per car. If you didn't make the race, you had to try and make it with something else. We barely scraped in uh, with our third and final run after crying and just being total messes through both weekends of qualifying to then learn afterwards, oh, we're just going to kind of forget all that stuff you went through. We're going to let in a couple others. Uh, There's always an exception that can be made. You can always find a reason to say, ah, let's let's just be nice guys and let everybody play. I don't know. It's our biggest day. It's meant to mean something. Qualifying is meant to be a real thing to get through, a gauntlet to get through. I don't disagree that for any teams that go home, it's really going to suck. But 
we're going to start doing participation trophies, then we should just always do it. And uh, I don't know if that's in our best interest. So let's uh, let's go to two closing questions, Mike. Two, okay. This one comes from our pal Jeremiah Morell. Says, does Mike believe his team will always be based in Ohio? He says, I know mm. before the virus, he talked about building a new building. He says, I know that there are teams in North Carolina, Texas, Illinois, Florida, Ohio, and Indiana. He says, all the NASCAR industry is isolated in the Charlotte area, but IndyCar seems to be successful operating a bit more scattered. What do you think, brother? Are you always going to stay in your home state? I would say 90%, yes. We are going to build a new shop, and um, I'm committed to this area and to the people that have moved here to be with us, and I'm happy with that, not to mention all my, my family and my wife's family. Uh, our family together. So we are pretty committed to the central Ohio area. Last one, my brother to close here comes from our good pal, Jordan Darwin says, Mike, and here we are kind of, you know, give a little bit of love here to some good folks that take care of you. What is your favorite car from Honda and Acura? He says, I've had several Integras, which I loved mm. always wanted a TSX, but hashtag me personally. Nothing beats the later years of the original NSX. Says he would love the Zanardi edition. And I am a TSX owner, 204,000 miles of of rattly, needs new wheel bearings, and battery goes flat after two weeks if I don't charge it up. But um, tell us about your favorite Hondas and Acuras since you're kind of a, you know, company guy. Yeah, you know, uh, on the Honda side, I and I was just, saying this yesterday because i was just driving our team minivan they, what they have done for the minivan just blows me away and no, no, i'm not <laughs> that's kidding a statement no human has ever made by the way i'm ever. telling you I, it's legit if you get in a mod if you get in a 2020 honda minivan it's just amazing the technology and how far these minivans have come since 1984 when the mini when dodge brought the first minivan out okay and my parents had one so i know all right and uh, th- this just blows me away. So I think they do an outstanding job uh, with with that. And and on the accurate side, it has to be the NSX, the new NSX, which I'm, you know, really really aware of. And I've met a lot of people that were in charge of developing it, and uh, developed the car, and engineered the car, and built the car. And I mean, it's just outstanding piece of equipment. It drives like a Civic, but goes like hell, you know. And um, I couldn't appreciate that more. So and, oh, and as a caveat to that. The 2021 TLX that's coming that they just announced is fantastic. It is beautiful. And, uh, and I'm proud to say I think we're part of this new performance-mindedness that Acura have uh, going forward through John Akeda, who's the president. And uh, I really think they've done a hell of a job bringing Acura back to a kind of a relevant position in the performance world. You, uh, I think you might be trying to get in line there with that last little <laughs> mention there. You know, maybe, maybe if, if we're the TLX is beautiful. They've really done a hell of a job on it today, and so I'm, I'm anxious to I'm anxious to see what the final horsepower number is on it too. So, one thousand. That's the number it should be. I love it. I'd love it, Mr. Shank. Thank you for always making time for us. I hope you know and feel and can see through the questions that come in that. You build some pretty strong bonds with people, uh, just being who you are and doing things how you do. So thanks for always making time for us and giving a lot of love to IndyCar fans. Always appreciate it. Do it anytime.